folks. Welcome to another edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Koval, recording in the WGN studio on what feels like a spring day in the city of Chicago. We are in early March, and sometimes uh, it's it seems like a miracle when the sun comes out for more than five minutes or so, and we're on a pretty good run right now in the city and uh, up on uh, in a spaceship at WGN Radio. Glad to be here. Glad to be back with you. Max Snackdoor is enjoying a sizable salad as we speak. <laughs> uh, Mercedes is running a little bit late because... You know, she does shit in the world. And DJ Cashier is actually uh, fulfilling another role of hers as the uh, official DJ of Loud on the Bomb, the Chicago Youth Poetry Festival, which is in its uh, second week of preliminary bouts. I uh, want to put on your radar that March 21st is the uh, the finals, the team finals, the culminated event for the 20th year of the Chicago Youth Poetry Festival is at the Cadillac Palace Theater. It's a Saturday night. Please come out, get your tickets and all information at youngchicagoauthors.org. It's a festival we do now uh, for 20 years in the city of Chicago, gathering young creatives and artists and uh, important voices, rappers, poets, uh, MCs from all over the city. Uh, each spring we do this event, and I, if you care about youth culture, if you care about what uh, young people in the city have to say, it's an event that I think you'll really appreciate being at. Team Finals, Louder Than a Bomb, is at... The Cadillac Palace Theater, March 21st. Today, in studio, we have just such a talented uh, visual artist, painter, curator, and organizer of cultural spaces, someone who I deeply admire the work. And I'm excited to talk about the, I guess, even how to how to categorize the work because it. Uh, I have some I have some theories and some ideas, uh, but so happy to have in the space, in the building, uh, the week before. A few days before his incredible solo show at Vertical Gallery opens, we have David Ha in the building. David, welcome. Hey, thanks. Yo, thank you, man. <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah, that was such a nice uh, gas up. I listen. I, yeah. I, I well, you already know I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? no, me too. But uh, also on that note, people go to El Tab. Uh, I went for the first time last year, and it's yeah. fucking great. It's good. Thank you. We got to get you back out. Yeah, no, it's good. I was genuinely surprised to see young kids kill it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. My expectation going in there is like, when I was that age, I'd probably suck. And then they killed it. And I was pleasantly surprised. So if you haven't gone, go. Thank you for that. I definitely sucked at that age. Um, (laughs) So, you know, as just a person Mm -hmm. uh, and in life and certainly as a writer. So it is it is kind of amazing. They I think that they continue to defy my expectations for the last 20 years. I was pretty amazed about about what you get. Um, Before we go anywhere, Max Mm -hmm. does his job and he takes it seriously as the snack door of the corner store, meaning he secures snacks for our guests. And so for you uh, today, Max has gotten you a few things. One, a. an incredible um, Topo Chico mineral water. Like it, like uh, it, like it. Yeah, wow, thank right? you. And uh, this this is a first uh, in corner store history. Max has gotten for you a pint oh, of half baked Ben and Jerry's chocolate vanilla ice cream mixed with gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough and fudge brownies. Amazing, amazing. Ben and Jerry's cut that check. Maybe I mean maybe we could get that Ben and Jerry's money. Oh, we get that Ben and Jerry's cream. Um, yeah, and feel free to dig in. We like not only sound effects, but also okay, it's cool. ice cream. So the shit I didn't is want going it to be to... like some weird ASMR of me eating. No, 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 no. <laughs> nasty as fuck. No, that's good. I think people will enjoy yeah. it. Maybe too much. So oh, man. yeah, I'm, I have like I'm the a little worst about that. sweet tooth. I love all things sweet. Well, and you said you hadn't, uh, you haven't had much to eat today. No, no, no. This is my first meal of the day, pretty much. Oh wow. It's okay. Well. Embarrassing. <laughs> 
Um, I I, I want to talk about a lot of things, but just even to that, like, what do you, what did you do today? Like, what, how's your day been so far? Oh man, funny part is I actually ran into Max this morning. Um, I usually just get coffee. First thing in the morning, I get a coffee, a small coffee and espresso. Max might have been uh, going through your garbage because he, in order to do his job as a snack tour, he go <laughs> he he takes the research very seriously. That's so so he could have been maybe mm-hmm. low key stalking you. No, he did good, dude. But um, my day, let's see. Mm. Like you were saying, dude, it's nice out, and it's like I feel obligated that when it's nice, I have to go do stuff outside, mostly errand day and shit. And I also like to walk a lot more when it's nice, like. Every day, I usually start my day by, like, showering, getting dressed, all that shit. But I need to, like, spend 15 to 20 minutes away from... Because I work at home. My studio's in my apartment. So every day now, I just, like, go walk, go get coffee, smoke, think about my day, come back, and I'm ready to work. So when it's nicer, I just take the long way. And then, I don't know, just people watch and uh, shake things up, maybe get, like, a bagel or something. But, yeah. And then, that's about it. Like, woke up, saw him, talked, did errands, came here, got lost. Yeah, um, uh-huh. you are you still uh, you know you're you you have a you have a solo show at vertical Ga- vertical mm-hmm. gallery mm-hmm. Uh, called Honey and Smoke Honey and Smoke. <laughs> um, it it uh, I'm so excited to see it. Everything Thanks, I've dude. seen from the show thus far, Thanks, as dude. always, is is really stunning. Bigger big big pieces mm-hmm. in in the in, in the gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still making work for the show, or are you pretty much is no, it I'm that done. done? Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm like a pretty type A person, and I hate feeling rushed and frazzled so i had like all of february to like really finish up most of the works but do you remember that like two weeks where it was like super shitty out and it like snowed a lot and then the residual five days was like awful so that's like when i buckled down and i finished two paintings and made like four collages that week because i had nothing else to do like i wasn't gonna go outside and so i finished early and i actually thought i was a, a good stopping place and i finished about two weeks earlier than i uh, planned for myself so now i've just been chilling hanging out with Patrick, double-checking everything, and, like, finessing all the details. But, yeah, feel pretty good. I'm excited to talk about the show, and I want to mm-hmm. get there. Before we we go any further, though, mm-hmm. as, as people are listening, maybe they could follow along and see some of what we're talking mm-hmm. about via your, your IG. Oh, uh, wow. What, what's, uh, what's the best place where, where people can My handle is D-A-V-H-E-O. It's not Dav. It's just the shorter thing of David. I hate when people go up to me. And they're like, are you Dave? Are you Dov? I'm like, that's not even a real fucking name, dude. <laughs> like, just David. Dov. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, that's my handle. Word. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, so so go go there because I think it'll provide some context for, for what we're talking about. And I want to talk about, about Honey and Smoke, but mm-hmm. but let's go back and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of find out how we even got to this point. You're from, you're from where? I'm from Ackworth, Georgia. It's about like 30 minutes northeast of Atlanta um let's see stayed there until like the end of high school after high school i moved here about almost 10 years ago this august which is wild like i've almost now lived here half the time i was born and raised in georgia yeah but can we talk a little about georgia because yeah. I, I i don't know i uh-huh. obviously i know atlanta mm-hmm. i don't know the the town specifically is it a mm-hmm. bigger town small town it's a smaller town i mean to give you context like aside from my brother and maybe like two other people in my high school there's only like four or five Asian people in my high school. Yeah. It's predominantly white and black. It's kind of like, it's not rural. It's not like buff fuck nowhere, but it's definitely not like a place of culture. I mean, there was like a, if I remember, there was like a, a military station very close to my high school. So people that graduated would just like sign up for it. You know, it's like, it's like that kind of place. Right. Um, That's like a viable option out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there's just like a lot of, uh, like a lot of friends I knew are 
mechanics now or mm, garage people. A lot of them served, but it's like one of those places. It wasn't like really good for me, A, racially and B, just creatively. I felt like once, like towards the senior of my high school, I was so ready to get the fuck out, you know? Um, and then I chose Chicago because it's a good city. It's not as hyped as New York and LA. It's a lot more affordable. And I knew shit about it before I moved here. I just heard that it was like really windy. But then, and then I like understood like where that really came from. But did you come to go to school? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I went to SAC for my undergrad, which is ironic because I went there for my grad, but I was like the shittiest student. And then, uh, stayed pretty right. much. Yeah. Right. Um, so in, in high school mm-hmm. or I guess in Georgia, mm-hmm. um, I, I wonder, this is a question, a theory, uh, if you're one of the only kids in your ethnic group, I imagine that sometimes feels like an isolating oh, fuck experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, yeah. uh, are your parents, your parents from there? Or so they both immigrated at different times and met in the States. They met in a Chinese restaurant in Texas. <clears throat> and the only reason why they moved to Georgia, I had asked, was because my dad's like, it's the most practical place to live. It's like free of natural disasters. Um, oh wow he's on some like, like he was research like, shit. like very practical but he didn't account for the fact that like he would raise non-white kids in a white area and um which is some like immigrant ass mm-hmm, thing to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you just don't yeah, really it was like account a, pra- how it was would a practical you know? thing like cost yes. of living was really cheap so to my parents it made sense to like settle down there and it's a good place to like have family like it's super open and it's like a lot of nature and wilderness and like i had a pretty good childhood uh, like for the most part, uh, siblings. Yeah, I have one older brother. He's coming to my show. Great, which is so exciting. It's the first time he'll see my work in like a gallery context. Oh yeah, he's seen my shit around and like. Is he in Georgia or where's? He's he? in Florida now. Okay, but um, that's really that's great. Yeah, no, it's super exciting because like to my brother, like I don't think he like likes likes my work. How people like it to him is just like, oh, this is shit my brother does. <laughs> you know what I'm he's like, gonna bug out. <laughs> I think so. He will bug out yeah. when he sees it. Not only in the context, yeah, yeah, but also yeah. I'm sure, you know, just I'm sure he's obviously peeping online, mm-hmm. but to be yeah. in front of it in the, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the, um, the amount of work that you've done in this beautiful space. Mm-hmm. And I know at the, at the opening, the shit is going to be packed. I so, hope so. Oh, yeah. Well, that'd be yeah. kind of embarrassing to me. My oh, no, yeah, you're <laughs> you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. So that's, so, so, so the, so the question I guess is, mm-hmm. is because it was an isolating mm-hmm. experience in terms of race, is, is that what <clears throat> helped push you into a isolated kind of art form like kind of. drawing painting and how did that come about mm, i mean like processing like a lot of my childhood and shit like low-key being asian-american especially like east asian-american is so strange because like there's this pressure for me to identify as a minority or passing you know and so like i remember in high school i wanted to be white so bad but then i realized it's not that i wanted to be white i just wanted the privileges like just you know like i got bullied a lot for uh my race and i'm just like i can't control it you know and then there's this pressure to be like do i identify as white or black there's like no middle ground you know and that was like really hard i remember that distinctly and then i got comfortable in my own skin after moving here for a while because i mean there's genuine visual diversity but then also there's no pressure for me to like have to choose um and i think just like growing up in high school dealing with that and uh i wouldn't necessarily like say painting and drawing came from isolation it was more so like i could do it anywhere like i didn't have to be in a space specifically to make work and so byproduct of me going back into painting was um after undergrad in undergrad i did a lot of printmaking 
And then when I graduated, I was too broke to join facilities. So I started painting at home. And I think that's when I like got more into painting because like I said, like you can just do it anywhere and it's free of like requirements of like a real community or access to equipment. And yeah, I think that's like where it really came from. But right. And, mm-hmm. and, and what's, I mean, yeah, you of course used many different materials to compose your pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I guess prior to coming to the city and, and deciding that you're going to explore art mm-hmm. in an educational space, when did you imagine, when did you begin to think of yourself as an artist in high school, in middle school? <laughs> when did you start to take yourself a little bit seriously, uh-huh. even before you, because yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to, to be like, yo, I'm going to go to the school of the art institute. Mm-hmm. You know, more or less like you're, this is something you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. when, when, you know, when earlier were you like, yeah, yeah this is, this is, so, I am interested in this or identify yeah, this way. So like, I guess going in a linear order. In high school, I knew I wanted to be an artist of some sort. I didn't really believe that I could be like a visual artist. And so I used to tattoo in high school thinking that's what I was going to do because like I could make shit, get paid, and I listen to stories and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like that was like my train of thought. And then that's why I moved here originally because Chicago has such an amazing tattoo scene. And then and you still under, do tattoo. I no, didn't even know. Okay. No, I didn't no, even no. know that you did this that. This is like at all. the backstory to everything. Yeah. Like, that was like the shit that I was like really into. And then. I moved here and no shop would take me as an apprentice because I was a full-time student. So my plan was like, all right, I'll just finish undergrad and then see if I if, see what shop I get in, finish undergrad. And I realized I didn't want to do it. And I was like, I don't even know the fuck to do with my life anymore. You know, because like, dude, SAIC is a great school, right? But for undergrads, it is the worst school, like no shade to it. It's just like, I genuinely do not believe undergraduate art school should be a thing like dude, no sh- no no speak real, on it I, I agree fuck, and dude, i've taught in so many dumb. undergraduate like, art programs like i get it like if i could go back and change one thing i would have just gone to fucking state school right and been a bro and then like made art my own time you know like it's just like dude it is way too much pressure to ask these kids like me including at the time to make work that is important to them like that's impossible unless you've lived the craziest life prior to 18 you have no real source to pull work from. And then SAIC creates this like unspoken uh, authoritative figure. Like your professor is who you seek validation for. So you're going to inherently make work that caters to their taste. So depending who the fuck your professors are, you're not going to make your own work for the longest time. And so, like I said, I came from a tattooing background. And like most 18-year-old kids, they go to art school because they're fucking good at art, right? But you throw all these kids in the same building, nobody is special anymore. Like they're all very talented. And so I remember I struggled really hard my fresh my first year because all of my professors like make work that comes from a source like like concept the idea of concept was new to me because all I did was like oh what do you want I can render it right and no one did a really good job of nurturing this idea of like how to marry concept and technique and so that's why when I was in grad school there it's it's light years better for grad school because people go in it with the stakes of like I'm going to do this right like I'm going to take out another set of loans to like actually give it my all. And then the disheartening thing about that is that like they don't really prepare you to even envelop the idea of what it means to be a working artist. You know, like I learned a bunch of flowery language. I'm very fucking articulate, but like for the most part, things I do now, I didn't learn in school. It's after school. So I would safely say I didn't take myself seriously until like three years ago. That's like when I decided to go back into grad school, you know, like uh, 2016, because I was so tired of not having direction in my life 
that I decided I was like, I have to do this. Or if I fail this, I really don't know what to do. So my time in grad school was I set myself up differently, understanding how the fuck I failed in undergrad. And so I think that's why I was able to hit the ground running after I graduated grad school was because I did not want to fail anymore. And yeah. so, well, you also have, I mean, the, you know, what, what I know of you and what I've seen certainly of your work, mm-hmm. you have a pretty voracious work ethic and you're very <laughs> prolific when it comes to it's my dad. My dad did that. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, probably mm-hmm. what, what, do, what do your folks do? So my mom's a housewife and my dad is a government contractor. But he runs his business all by himself, like no sets, no secretary, no assistant, nothing. I remember growing up watching that and my dad was dead set that me and my brother would take over his business. And I was like, fuck that. That looks like way too much stress. But um, I think just watching him growing up and like wearing 6,000 hats to make his job work to provide for me, my brother, and my mom growing up is what inspired me like low key to like really hustle in the sense that I have to do everything in order to make myself succeed. That's like the kind of mentality it came from, but I want to I want to go back to something you said mm-hmm. about about being in undergrad and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, being introduced to the um, to the notion of, of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you had some technical skills coming in, but you were just rendering. You mm-hmm. were just making art about yeah, what drawing. you were just drawing. Yeah. Uh, at what point? I mean, you have now mm-hmm. a pretty refined. You know, if I when I see. A, a piece of yours i know mm-hmm. it's yours which oh, is shit, one of the thanks, things that dude. i love you know what i mean i'm uh-huh. like this is david's work mm-hmm. very clearly i think it's such a, a, at any point in an artist's career i think that's very difficult to do mm. i think especially for someone who's so young thanks, that's you know at very you know ahead of a curve i guess mm-hmm. yeah. um but at, at, at what point did you start to realize that oh i'm making work that is intentional mm-hmm. and and what what is that intention mm. let's see mm. How do I answer this? I'm going to answer this question in like the most detailed way possible. So I think this is Great. a very important question for Great. like any artist. Agreed. So an undergrad, it was not until like my last year that I started to grasp the idea of concept, the idea of like what was important to me. But at that point it was like too late. Dude, I was graduating in like seven months. I was like, fuck dude, what can I do? And I was so dissuaded from the idea of like art as profession that when I took the time off between undergrad and grad, I just lived my life. And then all of those experiences regurgitated in the format when I started grad school. Because in grad school, I knew I wanted to make work, but I didn't know necessarily what about. And, you know, and like my uh, first two months, I was like, I'm going to make grandiose work about race, right? Like, you know, like my difference. And then that was stupid because all of my lived experiences is through the perception of my race. You know what I'm saying? So it's like inherently all of my lived experiences is with the understanding that I'm Asian American. And so from there, it really honed into the idea of like, all right, I guess I'll make kind of quasi autobiographical works. And so from that was a, that was like the seed that started up. all of the shit though, that you've seen really came from my time after school because the idea of like advising meetings went out the window, critiques went out the window and I just had to trust what I was making. And I trust what I lived was good. Like all, I do not regret how I lived. And if I can translate moments of those things that were so resonant with me, into these images that's where it came along and i think that's like this i like i'm still definitely learning as i go but like 2018 like towards the latter half was like the real point of like all right i know at least the four things off the top of my head that i want to make work about for the rest of my life and those things might you know change with age and stuff like that but the 
concepts or the core of it all is definitely there right now. So what are those four oh, things? Oh, man. Oh, God. That was just a random number. <laughs> okay. sure. well, one, right. yeah. one, though, one of my biggest interests is uh, male dynamics. So my, my dad is, uh, <clears throat> he's very, like, you know, conservatively Korean. He immigrated during the 80s where Korea was extremely conservative. You know, it pretty much mimed the how we perceive 1950s America, like gender roles. So my dad abide by those. And then it did not help that he lived in Georgia, which is very conservative. So it kind of reinforced toxic masculinity. So like, I love my dad. I know he meant well, but he did like pretty bad job of like grooming me and my brother as emotionally uh, fulfilled men. And so that's like something of an interest of mine. It's kind of like the power dynamics between like males and the others, right? Wherever that means. So that's like core number one. Core number two is like, I like seeing how people want to decompress or like how they feel like they deserve something right so we like we work hard we play hard so i like i investigate those things like right now dude i'm like 27 so my my play hard is like very childish you know and when i talk to like someone who's 65 like what is leisure to them like what is downtime to them what what is what is that to you when you say you're childish Uh, your your leisure time like what do you 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 know those memes that are like oh I'm going to take the day off or some shit like that. But then you've been doing nothing for like five days in a row or some shit, whatever, like lazy shit to me. I think that's like the thing. And I love playing video games and shit. Me too. And, what what uh, kind of games you play? I don't want to say it publicly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also play like old man game. I play okay. like, I go to like the arcade. Oh dude, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I suck yeah. at arcades. Okay. I get way too frustrated because it's like, I'm like pinball fuck that shit dude pinball is tough pinball is my, oh my dad's generation God. and he beats my ass still oh my God. i'm more of like a um arknoid donkey kong Miss oh, pac-man yeah, yeah, yeah. galaga i also really love bowling like, i love bowling oh fuck yeah yeah but um, Let's all go, we, should, we should definitely all go bowling mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's fun like i'm not a very competitive person that way but uh are sorry. you good at bowling no fuck no okay i would not say i'm like excellent but i do enjoy myself yes. you know it's, but, yeah, yeah if you mm-hmm. don't enjoy bowling yeah you're kind of taking it too seriously yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like dude like when i watch the clips of like professional bowlers <laughs> it's like how are you this way dude like you have a there's a specific mood to professional bowlers yeah but, like something has maybe gone wrong yeah, for you yeah, to, yeah yeah but no going back those two topics i know for sure are like there and then uh, if i had to choose two last ones to fulfill that four number third one is i like seeing this like idea something i think about often is uh is paradise an idea or is it is it a feeling right so like is it this physical place or is it something that we we aspire to feel or fulfill so that's the something i think about too and it goes tandem with like leisure culture but it's like there is no utopia i feel like my utopia is very different from like you and max's right and depending on your class, your social privilege, like utopia is going to be very different. So that's something I slowly unpack in my work. But selfishly, it comes from my point of view. Like I'm not going to make work that presents this notion and me speaking about all classes because I don't know what that feels like. Like I don't know what it really feels to be broke as fuck or rich as fuck and talk about what is utopia or paradise or the aesthetics of paradise to that, right? And fourth one uh honey and smoke kind of covers it but something i was really interested about with this idea of nightlife culture and leisure is i see it all the time with like my friends my girlfriend myself and everything it's kind of like we want the best things for ourselves but something either internally or externally sabotages it so i'm like really interested in this idea or if, if i see it right like oh i deserve this or i want this but i cannot whether you're anxious or 
the external circumstances don't allow you, like class or whatever. And so that's like something I've been trying to like talk about without being really heavy handed. And uh, I don't have like a clear like one sentence about it, but that's like the general idea of it. And then, so th- these are these are conceptually what mm-hmm. you're bringing into the 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 painting for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, you're working across um, materials, yeah, right. Because in your in your paintings on the canvas is also sometimes paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What else gets thrown? Um, in the let's mix? see, uh, grease pencil, crayon, colored pencil, mm, oil stick, spray paint. Uh, like you said, construction paper, pencil. I don't know, just like a bunch of stuff that's around my 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 hands. Yeah, and how yeah. do you? Is is it just what's in the studio? Do you kind do you of. bring for a particular uh, yeah. piece? Um, it's more so just like it came from two reasons. A in grad school, I was pretty poor, right? Like I couldn't afford to buy like the best pencils or the best paints for sure, you know. And that's how I even got into house paint. I was like way too broke to afford like good acrylic paints, but I was expected to make a shit ton of work because it's grad school. And then I got into like crayons and color pencil byproduct because it's cheaper. But also I remember like using it when I was like super young, like it was a material familiarity, which was really nice because it's funny, the more educated I get, I genuinely think my work starts sucking because I have, I overthink a lot of things now. Like, you know, like when I tried to make a gestural mark now, it's so different than when I was like five. When I was five, I just made the damn mark. And I was like, that's a lightning bolt or like, that's a palm tree. And now I'm like, does this flow well? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so different. But I like to think to myself that if I hold these materials and channel it into my work, that energy or, or intent that I'm trying to do it will translate and contrast to these very slick, smooth, hyper-flat paintings that I'm making, you know? So, and that that is kind of what I want to talk about, is mm-hmm. how, how do you characterize the work that you do? You, you said hyper-flat. Yeah. I think of... I don't think of you as a realist in a traditional sense, mm-hmm. but there is this notion of a, a almost like a magical realism in mm-hmm. some of your work um, because of some of the colors and the color blocking yeah. that you do. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, you know, I don't, it, it, it does remind me of Manet or something, you know, there, there's, there's elements of that, that, yeah. that are thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm also, you know, you're stacking all of these images to create mm-hmm. these, um, you know, at times, you know, the inclusion of the dogs or the cars and mm-hmm. the, the, the crashes that exist in some of the work, too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, maybe it is a kind of dystopic or like a, a, yeah. a nightmare. Like, yeah, I guess I guess I can see that. Like, what do you how do you classify talk about? Oh, man. The work. So to people who study art history or know art very well, like two of my biggest influences is Alex Katz and Matisse, like in the canonical sense. So I started doing these paper cutout collages um, because I was asked to be in a show so long ago, but I was too poor to ship any of my paintings. So I was like, I have to mime my work, but in a shippable way. So that's how the paper cutouts came along because I knew Matisse did these cutouts, but he was like bedridden and old, you know? For me, it came out of function. And then I loved it so much because it was like, I definitely don't classify my collages as sketches or like... um, one out like like uh throwaway works like i do hold them precious to me they're part of my practice like painting but they're just like a different capacity and this whole layering system came from i think this like subconscious knowledge of screen printing so in undergrad i used to screen print so if you look at my paintings it, it shows a lot of these influences of like why i like flat or like why these colors or like why this system so like if 
like when I was, I was working on my screen print with these guys at Pop Inked, and they can dissect my paintings really well. Like they understand the layering system, which is like a really funny conversation to have because I'm used to talking to painters. And then, so that's like how it came aesthetically. And I low-key feel like the flatness came because like I grew up in the 90s when cartoons and colors were rampant. Like they're insane. Like Ren and Stimpy was insane. And then Courage the Cowardly Dog. So cartoons definitely influenced the flatness. This idea mm. of like how can I depict stories or emotion or anything through these shapes. Like that's what cartoons are. And if you remember like the packaging of candy in the 90s, like they were insane. They were like hot neon colors. I'm trying to think like Bubble Jug. Do you remember Bubble Jug? No. Oh my God, dude. It was like, do you remember? Bubble? No? Oh. Maybe it's just whatever. Maybe it's a something yeah. thing i don't no, know it's like it was like a thing that was like hot pink and hot green and it was powder and it came in this like little jug and you like pour it into your mouth and your saliva creates it to be gum i don't know it's really bad for you but it's, I don't not, know. it's not good yeah no no a yeah. lot of these things weren't but so i think like the way i was raised especially like with my parents like korean is um, like the whole korean heritage was something i really fought for the longest time because I wanted to be like an American, like whatever the fuck that meant to me, you know? And so there's like this traditional spiritual temple uh, painting pattern that happens in Korea called Tanchung. So if you look at the colors of Tanchung, that is the colors that I pull from. So people associate a lot of my uh, like paradisal colors, these like pastel colors, these like really beautiful lush colors as West Coast based. But Tanchung usually is based around like this very specific hue of green, orange, black, red, blue, yellow, they're beautiful. And then they interlay these patterns to create the sense of space. Like, you know, like churches are built to make you feel small. And I think that's like a really good telltale sign, the difference between like East with a capital E and West with a capital W. But so my parents had a lot of these patterning growing up. And so I think just looking at that every day, plus like bubble jug and plus like cartoons, it just like all spills out when I grew up. And the more I make work, the more I can see how these things had influenced me indirectly. Um, also, I feel like I'm not answering your question. Oh, you are, man. Okay. No, no, I'm tr- <laughs> I am so happy. I, first of all, I love yeah. I love listening to painters because painters yeah. are poets, and yeah, poets yeah, yeah. learn from painters. Oh, and so yeah, just the you know th- that that aesthetic mashup uh-huh. is really beautiful yeah. and profound, yeah. and incorporates you know kind of the mundanity of something as disposable as some mm-hmm. gum mm-hmm. and something as sacred and yeah. reverent as you yeah, know, the thing church, yeah, yeah or, or the you temple know, painting. The temples, yeah, yeah. And it's like crazy because like oh no, like I don't. I had this conversation with someone recently, and like I'm not white. But I would have, I would safely say I'm like still, the world is built to me because I'm like, man, so that's at least half the handicap, right? But it's kind of like this, there's this expectation that if you're not a straight white male and you're an artist, that you have to make work about your difference. And I feel like that's, that's way too, that's not fair to ask people like people of color or anyone that's not the norm is not obligated to make work about their difference. Facts. Yeah, Yeah, dude, it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. And so... I think just like that is something I fight with myself, but also at the same time, like I was raised with immigrant parents. And so that's always going to come back up. So something that I deal with every day in my practice, is just kind of like, how do I happily marry who I am, what I am, where I came from, but also speak to the contemporary pulse of what the fuck it means to be an American today. Like it's so different, you know, like, um, I don't know, like this is side tangent. They're rebooting gossip girl. I like read this. Uh, anyway they're rebooting it i watched I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sexy as fuck but anyway they're rebooting it 
But I remember one of like the uh, comments they pulled from the guy who's rebooting it was that it will be queer and POC led oriented. And I was like, this is great. This representation needs to exist. But also at the same time, it's like when you when you say it that way, it almost doesn't feel sincere. Do you know what I'm saying? Just like cast a fucking POC and queer. Right. And just don't, don't talk say, about it. Yeah, yeah you don't there. need a like, fucking metal. I can see yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, ah, oh, that's not Blake Lively. You know, that's a brown person. Like, I can feel, I don't know. Yep. And that's why I feel like it's just strange today. Like, there's this weird, there's this weird, like, oh, fuck, my difference is who I am. But it's also like, no, dude, we have a lot of shared experiences. You know, like, we don't have to keep marginalizing ourselves from each other to make, like, your heritage very unique to you and my heritage very unique to me you know well and there, there is a strategy i think of the, the the folks who hold the center to who hold power in the center to use identity as a way to fracture what could be solidarities yes. across different yes. ethnic groups mm-hmm. you know and and i think as opposed to you know thinking that that is uh you know that that our identities are are our superpowers mm-hmm. as opposed to things that divide us, but the mm-hmm. things that inform mm-hmm. who we are as mm-hmm. people and that, you know, your differences are what makes you dope in mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. as well as your own experience and your own, like, um, processing of those experiences. Uh, but they shouldn't be what limits our engagement with one another. Yeah, and you know? I think, like, all, all of this thing that we're, we're talking about right now ties back into my interest of seeing how people decompress or like how they want to have fun Mm. that's fucking universal dude that is not unique to like race religion it's not like people deserve to relax right and like think about the channels and the arenas that we want to have fun in you're gonna see a shit ton of different people there like it's not like this is a place for white people and this is a place for asian people you know like and that's i think byproduct of my interest as an artist it's like dude if there are spaces that exist feels safe for the most part and there's a shit ton of different people in it we can expand as human beings and really be empathetic to each other right it's not it doesn't it should not be the worst thing that makes us better people right and i think that's like byproduct of like me going out and shit or like i don't know the older i get the more it's like oh yeah it's hard to make friends but then you're like no it's not harder to make friends your standards just get higher you know, the best parties uh, are always where everyone is in attendance. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. when like or the when room... the host is actually nice instead of like you go to a function and then like there are clicks of circles and you're like, all right, where do I go? Yeah, it's like everyone needs to intermingle. Like that's how you have a sincere time. That's right. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why being being a, a house kid in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, you got a I'm sense sure that, that like, cool. and every, you got yeah. a sense that everyone. That's what made it ill mm-hmm. is that everyone was there mm-hmm. and they didn't look like you or they did look like you, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they didn't look like you. Mm-hmm. And you just there was something about the 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 vibrancy of that space because mm-hmm. there was an energy to people not really knowing one another mm-hmm. but vibing together. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that really and, it, made, and you remember it, right? Cause it's like it's just like. I, w- I wish I wonder what it'd be like if those moments existed in such a common level. I wonder if living would take on a different meaning if every interaction, a moment you had, was actually fulfilling. Like, then what is the aspiration at that point? You know what I'm saying? And I feel like when everything is fulfilling, things change so much because you're not chasing it anymore. It's just happening. So if someone takes on the uh, the idea of like I want to be a better person, then it's contagious that the person you interact with is like, Oh, that person's dope as fuck. I want to be dope as fuck. And so it'll like spread. And I think that's how you can make a really, really strong, vibrant, creative community. Like you really can, like these things have to overlap. Like poetry is cool. I'm fundamentally bad at writing, but I do appreciate the visuals that come to my head when I read it. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's the cool thing, right? So like, if if like mediums can cross collaborate, people can also cross collaborate. You know, and so no big facts. Yeah, that was a long tangent. No, I love it. <laughs> so so let, let's yeah. talk about about um, smoking honey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what what can people expect to see inside the gallery at, at, at Vertical? Uh, the shit is pink and gray. Yeah. So Patrick and I painted the gallery left quadrant to be pink and the right quadrant to be gray. Why? Conceptually, Why the, I wanted yeah. to mime feelings of honey and smoke, right? So uh, to backpedal, that show title came from when I was thinking about how to articulate all the shit I just told you in like, a title and i'm like fuck but there's this phrase you know like like bees to honey so like bees are attracted to honey and that stands for like oh we want to surround ourselves with the things that are attractive to us like that's that's like our one life goal and then on the flip side scientifically to get more honey you have to smoke out the bees so it kind of like makes that sentence super aggressive like or like to get the things you want you're gonna have to be aggressive which i think is kind of strange like all right so to get this I got to be a shitty person, dull their senses, and then take their shit. Does that make sense? It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's uh, like uh, colonization or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like the, so imagine those two sentences and like, okay, they flip flop and they mean two very different things. So that's what this, the title came from was Honey and Smoke. Mm. And I was thinking about sweet things, shitty things, thinking about this like conflict between people or inside of people of like internal desire, external desire. So sweet and bad. And so I painted, I mean, I proposed it to Patrick when he was asking about install and shit. I was like, I would like one half of the space to be uh, beautiful with more violent works. And I want one half of the space to be a little bit more darker with maybe more prettier works. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like contrast, like very low key contrast. But um, I've always been a big fan too of like changing space. Like, I don't know, white cube, white gallery is also another form of colonization. You know, like if white is a standard. Whereas, like, my only job as an artist is not to make the damn paintings. Like, I want to be accountable for everything, right? How it's presented, how it's shown, uh, the, the title. The experience of it. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to be held accountable for manifesting these ideas. And that's why I'm really into representational painting. Like, abstract, I feel like it did a really good thing for the long road of art. But at some point, I feel like you give too much power to the viewer and you're not held accountable for what you're producing in the world. Like... When, especially when I see the titles, like, Untitled 36, I'm like, cool, dude. All right. Now what am I supposed to get from Thanks. this? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Well, it, it, to me, sometimes it mm-hmm. shows a lack of consideration for the viewer, for the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what you're saying is about ensuring that the experience for anyone walking into the gallery, mm-hmm. viewing your paintings, is something that is accessible. Maybe it's not immediately understandable. Mm-hmm. There's layers and layers, yeah. but you're giving them at least yeah. some framework uh, some instructions mm-hmm. in which how to view. Yeah, and that's like really important to me, right? Like, I don't want to make anyone who sees my art feels dumb. Like, I think that's fucked up, dude. Like, pretentious. That's that's the worst yeah. of the art yeah. world, or the yeah. worst of like any Anything, any art, any anything, yeah, right. And like, that's why I love pop music. Like, mm. pop music is like the truest form of art to me in practice because like these people. Yeah, like they make bops, they make whatever, but they're very good at it. The intent is making them for people. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, music is this ever-flowing thing, but like when someone makes a fucking banger, like uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston, it's one of my favorite songs, because people have a fucking physical reaction to that song. And I'm like, a human being made that song. That's the craziest part, right? Like you go to any bar or club and that song comes on, people turn the fuck up. And I'm like, wow. Whitney Houston, a human being, created this that resonates so much with people because it has 
some importance in their life. And I'm like, if my paintings can do that on the smallest level, that'd be fucking sick, you know? But like, I guess to expect for the show, it's kind of like, there's five paintings, 18 collages and two prints. And so 23 of my works and then two prints that are made with pop ink. And we just finished installing and curating the show. It looks very beautiful. Um, I don't really want to give away too much, but Mercedes Zapata is in the Hello. building. Mercedes, great to see you. Hi, I'm David. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, you guys, have, you guys have never met? I don't think so. Okay, yeah, Mercedes yeah. is an incredibly talented photographer. Oh, cool. Um, excited for you to get to know her, her yeah. work. Um, I want to ask you about the vases mm. and kind of where that comes yeah. from. I love, I love these pieces that <laughs> Thanks, you do, dude. which is yeah, kind of it's yeah. almost like. Um, you know, in 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 uh, high school, we got like the the very uh, the the poem that's trotted out all the time is like the ode to the Grecian yes. urn or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Mm-hmm. And so you are like um, flipping and uh, you know signifying on top of this uh, vase that is not necessarily Grecian, mm-hmm. um, but reminds me mm-hmm. of some of what yeah. you would see at the art institute. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. How how did you come to kind of begin to draw uh, on that? classic yeah so my parents had a shit ton of traditional korean ceramics in their house and all these ceramics told stories like that's what i mean they're functional objects but every culture aestheticized it like grecian asian like think about any fucking culture and this thing that is a functional object usually holding water or wine i mean it was a surface to tell stories i'm like all right that hasn't changed i can totally fucking do that so that's like really where it came from was like, this is a good opportunity. Historically, people are interested in telling stories that has never changed. So can I take this intent and tell stories that I want to tell that I've like deciphered? Like the, all that shit I told you earlier is like me unpacking and like trying to like, imagine you went out and you like had a good time, bad time, good time, bad time, whatever. Like everyone knows what the highest points and the lowest points feels like. But the the middle point is like what I want to pull a still from and make work about and if I do it on a vase, then it's me wanting to tell that part of the story, right? And so that's why I don't really care about, like, culture. Like, there's no such thing as cultural appropriation. Like, dude, the canon is mine. Like, people like me did not exist in the canon. Yeah. And so Grecian vases are great because, I mean, as a form, it's beautiful. It's, like, so beautiful. Like, And so I was like, okay, I mean, I'm a visual-based person. It's very aesthetic shit. I'm going to take this. All right. I like this aspect or I need to talk about this because that was either super problematic or something that's not talked about and present it on the base. Like that was like my one to one thinking. And then it's not important if people get it right away. That's where all the animals have been coming in because I love painting people. But at some point, like I don't want to be didactic, dude. Like I was like, can I create a lexicon of animals to represent the types of people I see? Right. So like uh as a little clue like uh obviously tiger is gonna be my shit but it's also standing for the idea of the exotic with like air quotes and then with these dogs like i perceive the u.s to be predominantly a conversation of white and black right so when i when you see dogs in my work it's usually my standing of like black identity and white privilege so these are like the lexicons that i'm creating and i was like all right can i take this moment that i saw and break it down into a metaphorical story and present it on a vase or on a shirt inside of a painting. And it's cool because like I can make a painting inside of a painting that is a painting. I'm not limited to just one painting. So yeah, it th- those those pieces, particularly with the animals, I feel like are very emotional. There's okay. there's a lot of 
a feeling in there mm-hmm. um as mercedes gets you eating the mm-hmm. uh, the ice cream um yeah. uh any i i've only seen the the vases in 2d any thought mm-hmm. to to nah. 3d loki i'm experimenting but i just gotta do it in a way that's like good to me i don't know i feel like i get that a lot where it's like we'd love to see this shit in three-dimensional form and i'm like but why you know so if i did do it i want to do it in a way that like makes sense you know it's not because like one plus one equals two no sure yeah, yeah. no that makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah man i am i am excited uh for the show at vertical uh Thanks, dude. we will be there on on saturday saturday yeah saturday six to nine six to nine mm-hmm. um this is going to come out uh the tuesday after the opening so vertical gallery is um what's what's the address mm, i don't know the number but it's on western yeah western and augusta mm-hmm. um and a vertical gallery is is very uh accessible open mm-hmm. the show uh i already know just from knowing your work and seeing a little bit that you mm-hmm. dropped online this is going to be a very powerful experience thanks dude uh i'm so excited for it man <laughs> um w- again one more time before mm-hmm. before we get out uh where can people find you on socials um uh, d-a-v-h-e-o that's uh my ag thing i don't really have any other social handles so great and uh yeah make sure you get out to vertical gallery to see this show it'll be up for what four weeks or so mm, three weeks it closes on the 28th okay yeah great um well yeah man excited for folks to see it and and david thank you so much for being in the thank you store. yeah it was a good conversation mm-hmm. thank you. shout out our super producer dj cashera Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.